Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Graham here, joined tonight by Ben Carswell, Christian Jasper, Jason Owens, Mike McCullen. Boys, it, it's that time. Um, it let's let's we'll start with the question that we always ask. However, this tonight we will get slightly different answers. Um, Ben Carswell, what are you drinking tonight? Water. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome, Mike. What do you have in front of you this evening? I have a sun-kissed zero sugar, only because I'm out of Gatorade. <laughs> uh, Jason Owens, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, I got a Yingling flight, little hair of the dog tonight. Y- you have water. water water in front of you. Uh, Christian, what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, I went with hot chocolate again this time. Man, only one of us has an actual beer in front of him. I got a Mama's Little Yellow Pills by Oscar Blues Brewery, a Bohemian Pilsner. It's not bad, Fancy. I guess. Ish. Um, <laughs> everybody is drinking water tonight because, well, we done pretty got well fucked up yesterday watching this finale of the NTT IndyCar series. Um, we'll start the recap with: Does anybody know who won? Holton Herta, I think. <laughs> and I Holton only Herta know that because I have done. I have timing up. I was gonna say I have the results in front of me. <laughs> Jason, was that before or after you fell out of a trash can? Oh, that was well before I fell out of a recycle bin. Oh. <laughs> we had a good day yesterday, people. Uh and I will say this it was a good day for IndyCar. Um, with the exception of Ed Jones making himself public enemy number one on lap one, uh, all three of our championship contenders did exactly what they had to do, almost. Joseph Newgarden had a spectacular race for Team Penske. Uh, Pato got hosed, and we will discuss that one in a minute. Uh, But Alex Palou... What do we make of this kid? I mean, he's yesterday he wins an IndyCar Series championship. Today he's got pictures with the Astor Cup eating chicken and waffles. Like he's at Roscoe's mowing on a, a chicken leg like a true champion. Yep. Champion. Is, is there anything more champion. American than banging down some fried chicken? Chicken and waffles at, at Roscoe's in uh, Long Beach? Hell no. That's what a beautiful. Guy. With the, with the Astor Cup sitting next to him. That's that's the best part. And he made sure to get the ring in the shot. The ring. He sure did. <laughs> what a guy. He's like, what hey, here's, what this, an incredible here's video. this delicious piece of fried chicken. Ding. Ding. <laughs> Make sure the glint is right in the camera there. Okay, boys. <laughs> oh, if if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I have a championship ring on. In case this giant sterling silver trophy next to my chicken and waffles didn't give it away. Didn't give it away. And a margarita, just just for good measure. He can celebrate. I think he's old enough to celebrate. I think we can say that IndyCar is in really good hands for this crop of drivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know what? That's one of the things that I took away from this was we, even with the stuff that went on at the start of the race, 
nobody was out there running around acting like a tool. I mean, we no. we have the rookies and young kids were spectacular all season long. The veterans that you might have expected to be there, most of them were there. Um, is it any surprise that at a season finale, your podium would be Colton Herta, Joseph Newgarden, and Scott Dixon? Not at all. No. Not at all. And Newgarden was running down Herta. Another couple of laps, Newgarden would have had that one. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun, man. That was that was a spectacular show. Uh Simon Pagino had a great run to close out his tenure with Team Penske. Alex Rossi really was did. sixth, Harvey seventh. It, there were a lot of good names in good places, potentially even rounding out careers with Sebastian Bourdais finishing in eighth. Well, yeah. It, it, Harvey, I think, finally got rid of the Andretti anvil for the last three or four races this season and put in some strong top 10 runs. Um, I thought it was a really good race. No, like even taking the championship implications out of the picture, I just thought it was a fun race to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good race. The racing was good top to bottom. Jimmy Johnson finished on the lead lap ahead of and not the last car on the lead and not lap the either. last car on the lead lap. He had three guys behind him on the lead lap. Uh, Daily went askew. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, no. I am the eldest. I got to bring the dad jokes. Yeah, we did it learn was- that yesterday. <laughs> it, it it was a good race. It, it was a really good race. It um, I don't I don't know. It, it was a it was a complete opposite of Nashville, which is really nice. Um, only, only reason why I say that is because you know it's it's another city course and it's still kind of tight. But you know most of the guys have been on this one a lot. And even though a lot of the guys have been on this, there were still a lot of brushed walls, a lot of a lot of um. Uh, Possibly yep. bent toe links. They they were still going full send that entire weekend. So uh, it was good. Yeah, it was it, a solid event. You know what? That was it. It was a good show. The and quite frankly, the entire weekend was good. Um, the IMSA race was fantastic. The IMSA race a, was good. Good amount of drama and salt between former F one rivals now banging wheels uh, in IMSA. Uh, I don't know how uh, that 01 finished the race with half of the rear wing. <laughs> yeah, he got a he tore that thing up. Now, and but I even I'm even talking about from an IndyCar perspective, you had good drama in qualifying and, and in practice. We had some and in the warm really up. bad drama in qualifying. And you had we good had race control doing race control things. Uh yeah, that was we we had Elio and seething Rossi. Oh my god! Oh. In the warm up, in the morning warm up. No one gets mad at morning warm up. Uh, apparently, Elio. I don't think I've ever seen Elio that pissed before. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to was... ask a question, Chris. Yeah, should Long Beach be the season finale every year? No. I think it belongs in April. I think that's fair. 
there's a big part of me that says you can't harp date equity and then say we're going to move Long Beach. Yep. Our longest tenured race, well, second longest tenured race. We're going to move just because. Um, but man, was that fantastic. That was a it, it great ticks race. So many boxes. I think they and, do need to get a race like set as the last race because it's been so many different well, places. And, and Chris they made a really good somewhere. point. They need to get date equity. Like it, you can go through an IMSA schedule, right? And I can look at any year and say, okay, last last weekends of. January, boom, Daytona, St. Patrick's Day, Sebring, uh, Long Beach, beginning of April. And you can do the entire IMSA schedule. And without looking at the IMSA schedule, you can go through all the traditional IMSA races and have that kind of down within a couple of days. IndyCar and, and has notoriously done this. And I even remember hearing um, Midweek Motorsport discussing this about IndyCar, where the IndyCar just does not have date equity they'll try a race here they'll try a race there like look at look at next year now there's not oh, there's not a double header in detroit there's only one why like they at some point they've got to set these races up one so people can go to them and make travel plans and say hey i am going to plan my mid-september vacation to go to laguna seca they they're just trying too much shit that isn't sticking and they gotta just settle on some stuff yeah, uh, yeah, I I tend to agree with that, and as much as it pains me to say, I think I agree with the Boston Consulting Group to bring up a name. Oh that, God, drink. Yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, yes, I'll take that one. <laughs> I kind of think IndyCar needs to be done before football. Well, they're pretty close to it next year. Yeah. Uh, Pretty close. There, you still have a Labor Day weekend race at Portland. You yeah, still but have... NFL doesn't start on Labor Day weekend now. So, I mean, you got college football that weekend, but really, you only have the season finale up against the NFL next year, which, quite frankly, is going to play right into Sunday night football anyway. Exactly. I don't know why so... they have a TBD listed there because it's gonna be a three thirty p.m. start in the East. Yeah, because they want that to go up against to be the the feeder coverage i mean really the broadcast schedule next year is fantastic like only belle isle and worldwide tech are on usa and then i'm sorry for all of our hat neighbors to the north that streets of toronto is peacock only i think that might be a hedge that they still don't think is going to happen i think that's fair i have a feeling that if they get closer to it they might um punt some uh, Law & Order replays off of USA to squeeze it in on USA. The, here's, here's the other part that comes with that. Um, it was discussed by Penske Entertainment people and NBC people that if you want to have a total of 19 show, or excuse me, 6, 17 of 19, I believe, or something like that, on network television, you had to give them a bone somewhere. And NBC has, like, I can all but guarantee you the Streets of Toronto race that's on Peacock will be handled by a local production crew. It will not be. So they don't have to sneak the trucks across the border and 
Yeah. That is a and, big time concession money wise. And it, it's also a concession for NBC because it gives them a bone to out and sell Peacock as well. Right. Like I guarantee you they'll have some incentivized full season package discount around the start of the season that is like, hey, watch everything and the new in-house indie lights that Roger's bringing in-house. And well, I thought the plan was that every race is also going to be simulcast on Peacock next year, too. Oh, it is. But I, I think they're going to use the fact that there is one race that is only on Peacock to try and drive subscriber volume. Uh, yeah, you're talking a very small number of a very small number. I, I mean, I don't, how many subs does one race on Peacock drive? My guess is going to be less than a thousand. When you consider I mean, what Peacock offers and where IndyCar sits on the sports totem pole. You mean the fact that when IndyCar is live, the Peacock app shows you 27 different soccer and or lacrosse and or Australian rules football upcoming live streams rather than the fact that there's a live IndyCar session? It leaves a lot to be desired on the user interface front. Um but you, you also make a good point is that you Peacock's potential subscriber numbers are instantly reduced by the number of customers that Comcast and Xfinity have simply because if you subscribe to Xfinity, you get Peacock included for free. So their market is already reduced by whatever number of subscribers that they they have. So. But I bet you do some fancy accounting tricks to count that into the subscriber base. You know that they do count them as subscribers because I had Xfinity before I moved. And weirdly enough, my Peacock still works, even though I canceled Xfinity in June. It still works. Um, I was fully (laughs) ready to fork out my five bucks a month. Um, Yeah, but it shows as a subscription. As soon as you go and you sign up for it and you register that Peacock account, it shows you as a subscription, even though you don't pay for it because you registered through it as a Comcast subscriber. So, yeah, they're doing some funny stuff to show the subscription. But the point is, is that they can't go off and gather those subscribers unless you can convince them to go to the website and sign up for it. like actual paying subscribers. You've got to convince either the the cord cutters who have nothing but nothing but internet or your spectrums or your, uh, I don't even know what other cable companies are left, are, are left at this point. I know Comcast spectrum, um, you know, there's not a lot of big ones anywhere. So you've got to go after those markets. Um, and Peacock does bring some value. Um, it, it's a decent value, especially if you want to watch every Law & Order ever made for the last 30 years. <laughs> I, I, I don't want us to get too far off the rails down that streaming discussion because I think that is something that, it, quite frankly, we could dedicate an entire episode. Yeah, that could be a whole off-season show. Yeah. Um, it's something that, should we have seen the writing on the wall with indie lights going to nbc slash peacock and the rest of the road to indy staying on their i will call it rinky dink platform um it's you have a very clear delineation now with indie lights being taken over by penske brought back in-house anderson promotions is not the premier partner of indycar at this point 
Well, maybe if they weren't broadcasting things with security cameras. I, I more asked the question of, are we going to see some sort of F4, F3 indie Lights hookup? What, like they bring in uh, F4 Americas? I, I don't know. I think the Road to Indie brand, like from a naming perspective, is so strong that you will still see RTI on the bill at all of the traditional races, right? They're not going to bring in an additional series, I don't think. And the other thing is, it's IndyCar. They run on ovals. The F4 America's cars don't have the Xylon intrusion panels to be able to run on ovals. So really the only F3, F4 race prep chassis in North America that can run road and oval are Indy Pro 2000 and uh, that matters. USF. That matters absolutely nothing. Roman Grosjean was able to very rapidly adapt to ovals. Scott McLaughlin was able to very readily adapt to ovals. Pato had never driven an oval before he got to Indy Lights, I guess. I, this was one of those deals of it, the ovals are not important. The reality well, is you, you have an iffy you relationship with Texas. You have a doubleheader at Iowa, and you have Gateway. You're not right. Gateway in Iowa drive like road courses. Yeah, but it, any F3 Americas or F4 America series can't run the ovals. That's all I'm saying. Oh, is well, that yeah. they, the the cars cannot be safe to run on the ovals. Therefore, they won't be included in those race weekends. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well, yes, do, correct. Do we see convergence at some point, though? And again, this is probably a fantastic off-season show. Do we see convergence? Because at the end of the day, all the RTI cars are built roughly to an F3 specification. The right. Formula Regional Americas are built to the F3 specification. Do we at some point just see convergence with all of these and sanctioning switches from, you know, IndyCar to um, let the FIA do it and, and let uh, ACUS uh, do it, and then IndyCar just picks up its the folks as they see fit to bring them into lights? Potentially. I mean... It really, the Tattoos has built the now the PM22 and USF22 chassis. They're basically F3 plus monocoques with the additional oval intrusion panels, yeah. right? I, I guess the question is do we see Anderson promo IndyCar? dropping the relationship with Anderson promotions for the road to Indy entirely, let Akis do all of the junior formula stuff. And then I, if you're I, good enough for IndyCar, you come into lights and it's the I, one I lights think, organization. I don't think Akis is the right one. That's the automobile competition club of the United States. Um, that is that sounds very French. Uh, well, it basically is. It's the FIA's national governing body here the problem is Akis is theoretically owned or at least controlled by indycar nascar imsa and the nhra and the scca there's five so Akis is america is very different from the rest of the world in that like british formula racing falls under the national governing body 
that gets government money and is an arm of the government. Right. Akis here is you got to have something, so we'll call it this. You can't have an FIA-sanctioned series, which IndyCar, NASCAR, all of them are. You can't fall under the FIA without a competition committee. So that's all that ACUS is. Now, is yeah, there a, they, is there a the very ones... real question of, does Dan Anderson end up under the SCCA? Oh, yeah, that's... That's true. I, I forgot that the Formula Regional Americas is a sanctioned SCCA series. Yep, that's why they were there with SVRA and Transam. Yeah. And they're yep. promoted. They have their own promoter, which is Perella, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. Perella was there. But, and I'll say this sort of not to take a shot at Formula Regional Americas or F4 US, the strength of field, I guess we'll call it. Uh, yeah, the not talent's not there today yet. The, the equivalent Euro Series, right? Uh, Freca, Formula Regional European Championship, Alpine. Um, that is a major feeder series. Right, Euro Formula Open, which is the same F3 spec, is a major feeder series for F1. And if I was you are, at the race one day, I could not tell you more than like three drivers that I watched. <laughs> That's I, something yeah, where I sat there and if you're, them if race, you're Liberty Media, do you want to have? I'll say competition. Do they go the Bernie Eccleston route of the eighties of, we want to bury everything that is possibly competing with us. All of a sudden the road to Indy series go by the wayside, because if you start offering incentives to your F1 teams to pull the formula, regional America's kids, now you're talking, it's a cheaper playground than F3 in Europe. Yep. There's well the other other thing here is that the Formula Regional America's champion gets an Indy Light scholarship. Yeah, they changed that now. It's it's not not Super Formula anymore. They get that HPD uh, scholarship. Go to Indy Lights. And... So what is the Toyota money going to do on the the ladder? Going to sit them to the to the uh, Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's gonna, gonna send, go. it's gonna send them the NASCAR route where the money is. Um, it's the TRD route. Yes. Win uh, the F four Toyota Championship, you get a truck run. Now here's here's something that is completely off topic, so we can get. Uh, it's a continued look ahead thing, but the if you look at the 2022 IndyCar schedule, the streets of Long Beach does not have a title branding on it. Now, none of the racetracks just... have title branding, but... It was traditionally the... Toyota. Wasn't Even it? after Toyota wasn't in the series, it was the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach. Yep. That is so, correct. do we... like? Do, do we have any visibility into the current term of the Acura branding as the title sponsor? I don't know. There's too much smoke 
for me out of people that are reputable sources that are like, oh, there's this rumor about Toyota that we totally can't talk about. But, oh, by the way, I probably already know something that I can't share. Like, there's way too much smoke there for there to not be a fire that Toyota is coming back into. Yeah, but there was a whole bunch of smoke there about Ferrari and Porsche, too. Let's, it, it, let's but fair. this is different. This, to me, is not industry people saying, oh, yeah, they're going to be back. Like, when you look at the next IndyCar engine formula, I was doing a little digging today. It's, what, 2.4 liter twin turbo, right? Yep. Conveniently, what is the current LMH engine in Toyota's top flight sports car? It's 2.4 V6. 2.4 liter V6 twin turbo with a hybrid power unit. Oh. Uh, That is spicy. So you already have the engine developed. It'll probably take some tweaks, right? obviously, but it's not like you have to greenfield a 2.4 liter V6 twin turbo in order to compete in IndyCar. Yeah, you they've already, already got, have it. They already have a, a competition grade block and heads and everything that you need. I'm sure there's going to be some IndyCar specific stuff that they have to figure out, but it's Toyota. Right. It'll be a different mm-hmm. packaging, but with how tight the packaging has been in in sports cars for the last decade, I don't think they'll have any problem figuring that out. And it will be way more competitive out of the box than the Lotus boat anchors ever were. So who switches? Toyota shows up and, and throws an engine down and says, hey, we've got an engine. Who wants it? Who switches? Wow. So I, I think you automatically say Pinsky, CGR, and Andretti are not going to switch. I, I think Chip could for the right amount of money, but I don't. Pinsky's not going to. They own um, Elmore, right? So, and Meyer Shank runs accurate DPIs. Yep, they're yep. they've got a tie-in, and they're they're Ohio Pro. kids. Yeah. So they've Pro got the Ohio tie-in. So Vassar Sullivan has the Lexus. Uh, Vassar Sullivan's the number one option in my mind, and then you see some other teams down the field, right? Does like, Dale Coyne go? You know what? We'll we'll help. We'll go over to that. Okay. To get that Dale, money. yeah, Dale Coyne will take that sweet Toyota money. And you're, that you're, Hall, missing, that you're missing the big one. Where does Spam go? Well, I guess it's now just McLaren. Now that the season's over, where Shady's. does McLaren go? <laughs> Renault. I, I don't think oh. when Alpine comes over, they go to Alpine. <laughs> so Renault. Yeah, but Alpine has prettier colors. It's I like to Renault. say Alpine. And we and just like to say Alpine. I do like Renault. to say Alpine. I, I wish I could. Directly. I wish I could buy an Alpine here. That that A one ten is beautiful. You can go spec one out. I think on the internet. I can spec one out, but I can't buy one, and that's the whole problem. <laughs> Well, I can't buy them either, but that's because I'm poor. <laughs> yeah, Shadow, even if it was sold here, he, he, Shadow Jesus actually lives like Jesus. He's in the dark, <laughs> sandals on his feet <laughs> on a good day. Okay, Paul Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> How disappointed were we that they did not have him in the fountain? A hundred percent. All of the disappointment. Very. 
or at the very least at the hair. And let's let's speak to NBC disappointing us here. Where the hell was Snoop? Where was I? Yeah, that was a full on press release. Was he like in the green room, like token it up and decided not to come out? What happened to Snoop? He was in the green room. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for picking up what I'm putting down. He's staying in the green room. He's hotboxing that thing. Yeah, I'm I'm Googling it right now, and nowhere do I see. I announced it. Literally, it's all the announcement. There are no nothing else is there. So we got to go from what about Dre to what about Snoop? <laughs> I guess you could say they forgot about Snoop. They did. I almost want to hit the button and kill this right now. Uh, Chris, a, I will come up with more jokes. There's a big part of me more that puns. says if this is the direction we're going to go, this needs to be put out of its misery. Chris, <laughs> we're, we're working from a bunch of hangovers here. Cut us some slack. Uh, some yeah, of us so are, some of us are not. So, some of you were just injured. Um, <laughs> we were fine until the shoeys came out, and then we decided to do the NASCAR race. Because our new fans on Twitch and YouTube were like, you should do the NASCAR race. And we said, okay. Let's go. I had, ruined everything. I had no input into the decision to do the NASCAR race. I was falling out of the recycle bin at that point. Yeah, you were busy. So, and then going to immediate care. I can't believe you went to immediate care. Dude, it hurts, man. It's urgent like, care. Well, I looked up uh, Snoop on Twitter, Snoop Dogg IndyCar, and it's just people... Begging and pleading to see Snoop. I'm assuming I'm, nothing happened. I am thoroughly disappointed. No, we didn't. We there was no Snoop. We didn't see it during the broadcast. And there was legitimately there was legitimately drama in the LBC. Inquiry? There was a ton think, of drama in the LBC. I think we need to contact IndyCar Media and have an official inquiry into this. Because. Yes, that's gonna be that's gonna be our podcast first official inquiry to IndyCar. <laughs> it's just gonna say where because, the fuck was Snoop. Because, <laughs> hold on, I got another joke. IndyCar media <laughs> communications—they're already on death row. Oh. They hired a new marketing director today. Oh. They uh, brought in the Butler Bulldogs uh, marketing and communications director to be the new uh, chief marketing officer over there at IMS. So Butler, I've never heard of him. Ed Carpenter's going to smack you. He's a proud bulldog. Yeah, he needs well, to up his oval game if he wants to keep driving. And I, I say so that as, as an Ed Carpenter. Car. Yeah, as a man who's got pieces of Ed Carpenter race car parts behind you. Right? I think if I owned a race team, I would be in a race at least I once do a have year a very rare Ed Carpenter road course raced front wing in wow. me. I believe you have the only one in existence. He's been looking for that. <laughs> 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 he thinks he did a road course race. He's not sure. He wanted to find that to prove it. Yeah. Snoop will intro the title contenders and preview the race that's Sunday at 3 p.m. ET on NBC Sports Network. Yeah, what happened? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go talk to Marshall Pruitt about this because he'll know. Yes. 
If there is a guy that would know, it would be MP. Is um, the Venn diagram of IndyCar, IndyCar Media, and Long Beach and Snoop Dogg just Marshall Pruitt in the center of that circle? <laughs> it somehow, could be. And somehow Roscoe's is in there as well. Somehow, oh, some man, way. I, I would do a lot of things for some I Roscoe's doing right now. This oh. funky ass shit every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my Although God. as good we're as Ross the rails, is, we're not drinking here, boys. I literally cannot drink. Is everybody coming no. off of it? I am fairly certain I am sweating beer at this point. It has gotten very warm in the NRN studio. That's I, I will say, go to the DMV this morning, and the DMV with a hangover <laughs> is not a good time. Ooh. You know what's, what, you guys? If you guys like Ross's chicken, the DMV. <laughs> DMV, the DMV was not a good time. I definitely was like, I'm not still drunk this morning, am I? Also, yeah, not a good idea. The sushi before the NASCAR race was a very, Ooh. very, very bad idea. Yes. It all stayed down, but there were some moments today where <laughs> this guy eating sushi over here? Yeah, I questioned my decisions too, my friend. Oh yes all right let's do this we're already a half hour into this let's talk this, about indycar this is going to take us a while to get through let's review our picks from last weekend's uh accurate grand prix of long beach uh unfortunately indycar hasn't updated their media site yet which is a complete and utter shock that is so on brand <laughs> In so many ways. <laughs> Taking a look here at our pineapples of the week. Um, ben, you tried to go chalk, and I don't think you got it right. Dalton Kellett was your pick for the loser of the week. And he, he finished, finished on the lead lap. 19th on the lead lap. Somebody picked Pato. I'm going to be really upset. Um, okay, hold on here. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> and there there's definitely getting to to get to there. Um Christian picked Graham Rahal to be his loser of the week. He came home with a 16th place finish. James Watson took Pato Award to be the pineapple Man. of the week. Man. Comes home 27th. Yeah, but remember, he picked Will Power to win, so it's not like he had that great of a day. Uh, Jason, <laughs> you are Season. a rock star, man. You are. You nailed it yesterday. Colton Herta was your pick <laughs> for anchovy of the week. Uh, Mike had Max Chilton. Um, did he even run? Oh, yeah, he was 15th. 15th. Wow. Yeah, How the hell did Chilton get to 15th? Um, Magic. Uh, his, they worked out his visa issues this week. Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, I was I was almost as good as Jason. I took Alex Palou because I wanted to see the championship implode. Uh, Palou coming home fourth. So I'm not the loser there. Jason, congratulations on, on your pick for Pineapple of the Week being a race winner. And James Watson gets a win late in the season here picking losers. We also asked the question, we asked two questions before we get to our race winners here. Would Alexander Rossi finish in the top 10 in points? 
by that thin hairs on his chinny chin chin, Alexander Rossi comes home tenth in points, six Man. ahead of Takuma Sato. Uh so Ben and Jason, only two to get that one right. Everybody else had Alexander Rossi finishing outside the top ten in points. Potentially because there was we're expert. experts. Drama there though. Him and Elio Sunday morning was fun. They brought the heat. Uh, yeah. They did not forget it. What, what did so Rossi call him? Cute? LBC. He didn't say adorable. <laughs> that's Hinch's word. No, that's Hinch. But Rossi said something very, very similar about Castro Neves on Sunday morning. That was fun. Uh, the other question we asked was, who was most likely to go in the fountain? Um, I'm pretty sure Ed Jones would be the the guy who somebody's holding his head underwater for a while in that fountain. Um, <laughs> Zach Brown. Yeah, Zach, Zach Brown straight up. Zach or Taylor Keel is is waterboarding Ed Jones in the fountain as we speak. I think Zach well, Brown well, might want to be him with, a, with Pato's broken half shaft. Man. Man, that that like seeing that half shaft flop around was heartbreaking. Seeing Paul Tracy do actual analysis with the telestrator. Yes, he did. He's trying to save his job, and now that he knows that Hinch is going to be available for the booth next year. <laughs> and poor day. I like how zero it. people disagreed with that. Yeah. Um that was PT was was kind of interesting this weekend. He was actually on point a fair bit, which was very un-PT-like of him. He's got to try one race a year. He was kind of close to home. Probably had his wife like, you know, hey, don't fuck up today. <laughs> there was probably he went some to the of beach. that. He went to the beach. He's, he felt calm, relaxed. He probably had his boat right there in the dock so that he could run a new uh, propeller and check the blade pitch. You think he uh, pulled a Raikkonen and just walked out to the boat in his suit? <laughs> and just left. That's how PT left Long Beach yesterday. Mike <laughs> drop, shows over, Mike drop, walks out to the boat. I'm out of here, fuckers. <laughs> All right, let's, let's look be at... Grand Let's look at our race winning picks here for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Ben, close but no cigar. Joseph Newgarden coming home second was your pick to win. Christian had Scott Dixon coming home third. My God, we sound like experts. Until we get to James Watson, who had Will Power, who finished a solid 10th. Um, but he didn't. That's just blind devotion. He, he didn't wreck anybody in the hairpin. He did royally FUBAR qualifying. Twice. Twice. He was doing willpower things on Saturday. I guess that would have been Sunday in Australia, right? Yeah. Crikey. See, he was just a day early. Uh, Jason had Simon Pagano getting a race win. He came home fifth. My God, we actually know what the hell we're talking That's like about. That's like the quietest fifth I think anybody's ever had. Uh, yeah, and Rossi was very quietly sixth. That was Mike McCullen's pick for the race So win. we picked five of the top six as our race wins. 
Yeah, two, and nobody picked Herta. Two, three, five, six, and 24. I had Roman Grosjean winning. To be fair, he had pace. Uh, yes, he went out with contact uh, 75 laps in. So that doesn't totally tell the story of, of his day. Um, yeah, we, we actually had a pretty decent week of picks here. How did and nobody pick Herta, though? We didn't last week they figured either. he just yeah they figured he just won so at least that was my mental calculus. Well, we know yeah. you're not real good at gymnastics, so <laughs> I did, but I didn't say mental gymnastics because then I would have just knocked over the uh, metaphorical recycling bin and not the real one. You should try that next time. Less <laughs> That's money, what my ribs are telling me. at the urgent care. <laughs> Uh, I gotta fill up that deductible somehow. <laughs> now let's let's give Jason some props here. He did say after Barber on this very show that Alex Palou would win the championship. Were you smart enough to back up your prediction with any money though? You now know what's fantastic about IndyCar? Is that it's such a niche sport that zero betting sites will allow you to lay a wager. On who's going to win the championship? The bookies are so clueless. The bookmakers are so clueless about IndyCar. We should really are. We should be setting the odds here for the for the odds makers. Yeah, we. Yeah, not us. We are experts. We should (laughs) next season. We should have a segment on uh, betting. The only problem with that in IndyCar is the lines don't come out till Wednesday or Thursday. And if we're doing a Monday show. I guess that means we're going twice a week, huh? Oh, no. I don't uh, know the time. Actually, actually, that large. actually, we're going three times a week because we're going to do the race watch-alongs as well. Oh, I'm going to need a liver transplant by the end of next season. That's I know some transplant doctors. I can hook you up. <laughs> And there'll be some live race ones because uh, we're going to have a couple of good crews out there. We're going to have a good crew for Iowa. We'll probably have a good crew for the 500. And in sports car land, we're going to have a massive we party are gonna, in yes. Daytona. We're going to be all over the sports car map. Yes, we are going to blanket the Daytona International Speedway. With the idiocy. Actually, you know, what we, could, you know what we could do? We're going to have so many people there. We could do a live play-by-play of the race. (laughs) From Geico West Park. So you can't even actually see the track. So you're just commenting on like, oh, this guy has stumbled by for the fourth time in the last hour. We could very well. We could put everybody on two-way radios. Put everybody (laughs) on two-way radios. We've done this before. We did this at Pocono. We did a radio-style call for the vintage cars at Pocono. Um, yeah, we could have turn reporters. <laughs> we could How quickly live... do we get taken down by IMSA? Um, I don't think we would. It's NASCAR, though. They would. They already took you down for Vegas, so you're on their <laughs> and radar. And they send John Hindoff to break our knees? <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. We would be nowhere near as exciting as Hindoff. But we'd be a little more accurate as to what actually is happening. Yeah, but he's got Shay, and nobody can compete with Shay. 
I'm sure she carries I'm that show. Sure we could find somebody with a modicum of talent to make us look good. <laughs> we haven't yet. It's <laughs> a very good point. Um, all right, well, yeah. Let's let's get let's get back on topic here. We got about 15 minutes left <laughs> to go here, guys. Um, <laughs> looking at the driver market for next season, a lot of things have come into place. Since we left the air yesterday, uh, Simon Pagano confirmed at Meyer Shank Racing. Uh, Bourdais to, to part-time. Bourdais to part-time, uh, likely with Foyt, but that's not signed yet. Um, Scott Dixon is retiring. Will Power is going back to Australia. Uh <laughs> What do, what do we think here? What's the next big shoe to drop this offseason? Do we have many shoes left to drop? I think the well, biggest one that I see is Carlin and what happens to Carlin. Are they still around? Do they bring Malukas on to, to run that second car? I think they've made it pretty clear that Chilton can't run that as a one-car team. They've got to have a second car, but if they have, they need the funding to run that as a second. As, yeah, as a I think it'll team. be Carlin with HMD. And I think that's likely be a two car effort. And what was the other one that came out today that you went, whoa, oh, Foyt. Foyt wants to go to three cars for next season. Yeah, Foyt that, wants to go to three cars. And I was talking Calderon. Which Calderon's bringing there. a check. Yes. She's not bringing talent. Uh, I guess. Sato Dale Coin. Uh, yes, yeah, Sato to coin is not confirmed yet. RV to RLL has not been confirmed or announced officially. Even though it was the literal first story we had, it's somehow yeah. still not been confirmed. Uh, yes, <laughs> Callum Eilat running the full season for Hunkos. Confirmed. confirmed. That one is VK confirmed. with an extension confirmed. So we, we have... not confirmed. It looks right. like we have as potentially as many as four new cars on the grid for next season. And the only subtraction is Penske going from four to three in all likelihood. And I would say that is as close to sign sealed delivered as you're going to get. Uh, yeah, because they're going to take that whole crew and they're going to run the testing program for the Porsche LMDH. And the IndyCar motor that's coming with it. Yep. What are we up to now? Six engine manufacturers for 2023? Uh, five, I believe. Five or six. For for what? LMDH? No, IndyCar. For IndyCar. Oh, for 20, IndyCar? For 24 is what it sounds like. A very likelihood. Good. Basic, basically, whenever the new car, what the what is the next new car, that's when you're going to see a bunch of new engine manufacturers come to the ballgame. Um, so hold up, hold up, hold up, Chris, your speculation is that Porsche, Vag, et cetera, and all their sub brands will run who? a 2.4 liter twin turbo V6 <laughs> to be developed by Penske's sports car division next year that they could also rebrand into a 2024 IndyCar entry. 
I don't believe that I've seen or heard you anyone drunk? make that. Nope. No, that's what Chris just said. I'm not drunk. I'm just making sure that Chris is throwing this up on the wall and making a statement that uh, is no, either I think, prescient. No, I think they're two separate things. Okay. I, I because think, that actually would be a hell of a call if it panned out. I it could be, but I doubt it. You got to remember, Penske is not tied at the hip with Chevrolet. He's tied at the hip with Ilmore. Right. If Port, it very. I mean, think about the history alone. Penske was running Chevrolet engines in 1994. And they showed up to Indianapolis with an Ilmore built engine badged as a Mercedes. East. That literally ended the relationship between Penske and Chevy very acrimoniously. Penske does, has no qualms about somebody wants to throw money around. I will spend your money. I mean, I think the question's always going to be what's in it for an engine manufacturer. It, it's, yeah, so they go racing. The U.S. But, market exposure. The Indy 500. That, yeah, but I, I, we don't talk about the Doesn't engine that, manufacturer. If you we talk, talk about, about U.S. Um, exposure, that kind of, Toyota doesn't need that in any way. Toyota's got it with NASCAR. they got it with NASCAR more than they'll get it with IndyCar, if we're being honest here. Of course, however, they already have the sunk cost of the engine development. Yeah, if they've already got something that they can retrofit to run an IndyCar with what, and I think they probably are, you know, those rules are already out there in terms of what, you know, what the predicted format's going to be. So they kind of have an idea. So if it allows them to play like accounting games on the back end and write off an extra like double amount of the engine development costs. Like I'm sure that there are bean counters that are saying like some sort of tax advantage status for maneuvering the development costs of that engine a second time. Let's let's also not forget that there are things like the F1 cost cap that are going to screw with these manufacturers because even if it's trickle down where Mercedes is not spending $400 million a year anymore. They're spending $175 million. Mercedes is still going to spend that money somewhere. Well, my and, understanding and is that engine development... Wars, in terms of the branding wars, Porsche is not going to get left behind. Audi is not well, going to get left behind or Volkswagen so I, or whomever. I feel like we're going to see a tie-in there with Red Bull, though. I think they're going to do a tie-in because now that Red Bull's bringing their engines in-house and taking that Honda program, do do they do a tie-up with Volkswagen Group and have, you know, just like Red Bull had, you know, Renault engines and then they rebadged them to Tag Heuer, which is hilarious. Do they do something where you have a Red Bull engine, you know, associated with, you know, Porsche or with Audi? I I don't think... 
if I remember correctly, I don't think engine development goes to your team caps. I think they have to be. I think they have to show on the balance sheet and on the financials that the engine units are separate from the teams because you've got Mercedes who's developing engines, not just for Mercedes. They're still putting them out there yeah. for Williams and for Aston Martin and for um, McLaren and and Renault's putting engines out for uh, Alpine no. and. Is there any other Renaults in the grid now? Nope. Yeah. So Renault has to be able to show that they've got that bucketized separately to say, hey, we're an engine supplier if somebody wants one. Same deal with Ferrari. They're going to take all their engine development costs and move them to different business units and say, hey, this is a separate business unit. And we just, you know, we've got relationships internally to, to bring them over. So I don't know if, like, the, I... I think the car development and the cost caps are solely focused on team, on running the team, on developing the cars outside of the engine, the aero, all that's. But I could be entirely wrong because I am not an expert in F1. Now, the the flip side to that coin is what is going to be the power plant of the future? Because as much as we want to talk about electric or hydrogen or anything else that we're going to run, Willie Nelson's weed-based biodiesel, you still have, at least for the time being, gas-powered engines. The EU and the UK, I, I believe the number is 2035, they want to outlaw internal combustion engines. You're going to hit a point where development of those freezes. What is yes. the most practical of motor concepts that you could run? Inline four-cylinder twin turbo. What IndyCar's running? Well, no, we're we're V6s still. I think you're going to see them go to the four. Yeah, I think it'll be the next engine evolution after the after, after the next one. one. I, and I think that you know we've seen some development around biofuels. I know that Porsche was starting to play with biofuels. I know that you know in the endurance space, hydrogen is big because let's face it, you're never going to run a 24 hour endurance race on battery power it's just not going to happen so hydrogen's got to be the play that i think the the aco is all in on and they were gonna have the last i saw hydrogen cars taking the grid against your lmhs and your lmdhs come 2024 i think was the target for that my, so, my only worry about a hydrogen fuel cell is like is that like le mans 55 part two you know like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, there's I, I think there's more realistic potential issues of can you run a hydrogen fuel cell car on an oval? Can you protect it enough yeah. to run that car at Indianapolis? Um, I mean, I think there's there's viable plays here. I think hydrogen's a viable play. I think electric is a viable play for some racing series. I think biofuels are a viable play because look when, when we look at it racing in general in terms of the total petroleum consumption in the world is a niche right that is a very 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 small fraction of a fraction of the amount of fuel that's being produced if you could have a manufacturer make a biofuel to support the motorsport industry and say, Hey, look, you either have to do electric, you have to do hydrogen, or you have to do this natural biofuel. That's not car. That's not polluting and not derived from petroleum sources. Those are your options for motorsport. I think that's 
a viable option. Agreed. So you're and telling the, me that individual Elon Musk series. is going to make a smaller version of the Raptor engine that'll be powered, so we'll have like a liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen. So it's going to put out water vapor. We've really gone off the rails for us. We really yeah. have. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. I don't know, but if motorsport needs to is going to persist, right? We've been racing shit since we the appeared on this was planet. Built. Yeah, we like the second car was built. They were like, "Fuck it, let's race." We've been race, and then we've raced horses. We raced dogs. We raced chickens. We raced whatever the hell we can get our hands on to race. We're going to race something. You so motorsport isn't races, going away. I have not, but ostrich I know that they racing is camel racing. You've got. I've seen like, camel racing. That's camel intense. Races. You. We, the point is that <laughs> our competition and, and our competitive nature as human beings is not going to go away. The motorsport industry isn't going to die with the internal combustion engine. It's going to adapt just like it adapted from horse racing to internal combustion engine. And, you know, there's a little bit of electric stuff here and there. It's going to adapt. And dare I say, like. it has to happen sooner than later. Because. Yes. This is an example of an actually working example of trickle-down economics. You have to get it in the local hands, too. And yes. Y- yes, NASCAR and IndyCar and IMSA, they can all run on electrics and hydrogens and everything else. But when the local guys, girls, people can't run their local races, the big stuff goes away, too. So. But you know what series is absolutely primed to introduce a top-level electric division? NASCAR? No, NHRA. It is perfectly set up. You have short power application. You don't have to worry about long... You don't have to solve the long-distance conundrum, right? Like, it, it, it kind of surprises me that NHRA has not launched some sort of electric that's because the nhra top series incompetent than usac it's yeah i mean it you're you know that's how much electric power can we dump out of a motor through tires in like how many capacitors can we shove behind ashley force and like i don't know what like to me that's like I don't know. I'm not a marketer, but well, I so that I think- is a brand opportunity for NHRA to pivot to. Okay, it doesn't have the earth-shattering, make you cry, and curl into the fetal position of a top fuel or a funny car coming off the line. And that's exactly going to be the problem. Is I don't I don't know that world that well, but I've got a good sense that the guys and people who run in drag racing and the community around it isn't gonna want to see electric drag but you've got guys showing up in tesla at your local sportsman class yeah but that's that's different than the nhra i know but i'm saying like there is grassroots support for it there they just have to get their head out of their ass enough to roll out and if they did it people would come and they would get investment otherwise they're on a they're on a trajectory, uh, and I love the NHRA. Like, I live 
five minutes from um, IRP. Like I sit on my my patio every Labor Day weekend and just listen to the sounds of freedom. But at some <laughs> point, that's not going to be viable to rebuild a ethanol engine. It, like the the cost. But ethanol is already let's a get biofuel. Back, let, let's get back to IndyCar here for a second. Headline. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Headline from Motorsport.com. Joseph Newgarden likens Alex Palou to Scott Dixon. He's Scott Dixon Jr. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's got He's, the demeanor of Scott. He's got all the right people around him. I really want, I really wish I could have heard what Scott whispered in his ear after he won. It, it probably like, you know what he probably said is. <laughs> Next one's mine, kid. No, I guarantee you he said, buddy, I love fried chicken too. I just never told anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Emma won't let me. Yeah. Um, we're going to avoid that one. Also, Emma, how, Emma, how Emma awesome was there was no asses. wife cam? There, I didn't see. There was dad there cam. Was dad there, cam. Was dad there was dad cam. cam, but we didn't get uh, like IndyCar wife chewing on destroyed water bottle for half of the broadcast, which was fantastic. How great was Jimmy Johnson crashing uh, the Astro Cup presentation ceremony? That dude has turned into an IndyCar fiend. And it's funny. I don't know if you guys caught the story of 20, that it was his first time at the Grand Prix of Long Beach in 26 years where he was pounding the pavement, trying to get a ride in open wheel. And basically he said, sorry, kid, you got to go somewhere else. So he, he switched and now he's back. First time back. That's, That's pretty cool. I love it. And I'm fully on board with this newly competent Jimmy Johnson in open wheel yep, cars. I am too. And you can find the rant and you can play it. I will eat every <laughs> one of those words. Yes. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that readily available. But with that, I think that's a good spot to end here. Mike is wrong. Jason was right about something. And he doesn't like trash cans. Ben Recycle may be dead somewhere. Ben. I don't we think the trash can liked him. Uh, and so far, the only guy that has a clue on this show has barely talked tonight, Christian Jasper. Um, <laughs> it, with that, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, it, this was a, this show was interesting, almost as dumpster fire-ish as our live show yesterday. Um, but it, to wrap up our first partial season, we're, we're, we were a partial season entrant this year. I think we're coming back full time for 2022. What do you think here, boys? Absolutely. I'm in yeah, for it's, it. It's too much fun not to come back. Uh, next year, we're going to do it with a video format as well. So if we're ever allowed back on YouTube, uh, we will post that to the YouTube feed. We may even do it live on YouTube and then put it out to the podcast platforms uh, the next day. But we are coming back for next season. We're not going anywhere yet either. Uh, we'll probably go to every other week-ish over the off-season, take a little time off around the holidays, but this one is going to be fun. The show is not going anywhere. We're going to be back strong for 2022. But with that, we are getting the hell out of here. Right on.
for Ben Carswell, Christian Jasper, Jason Owens, Mike McCullen, James Watson, uh, who was unavailable for tonight. But thank you very much, James, for your contributions this season as well. Uh, you guys were freaking awesome, and we're going to – this show going to be good next year, that's for sure. But with that, my name's Chris Graham. We're getting out of here. We will talk to you all soon on the next episode of Pizza at the Pagoda. See you later, everybody. <laughs>